You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. We've got a great show for you guys this week featuring new comic books from Wednesday, May 19th. Where the heck has this month gone? I feel like we were just doing Star Wars. I like a like second we ago. Just, we were just doing Star Wars, but the new comics, they keep on coming every mm-hmm. single Wednesday, so we're here to cover them for you. But we are also joined by our fantastic moderator this week. You want to say hello? Hello, everybody. It's Rob again. I'll be in the chats <laughs> hanging out with everyone. What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah. See, and, and just so everyone knows, Rob has also picked up all the books that me and Amy will be covering, as including the pick of the week and the four books that we will be covering. So if you guys have any questions and maybe me and Amy can't get to them all, ask Rob. He's read everything because he's real good at his job, unlike some people. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I haven't even read all four of the books we're aiming this week because some of them were Paul's and I didn't Amy, no them. one's going to believe that you're not good at your job. You're you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're good. Just trying to make it a, a fair... Uh... No, no. We knew where the fingers were pointed there. <laughs> well, um, we have some excellent books to cover but before we do that we've got some really it's a big week for news we've got some excellent books to cover that you can't read right now but you can start to pre-order because we've Mm -hmm. got some uh hints from the publishers at what's coming up for august and boy howdy there's more books (laughs) there are more books believe it or not that train just keeps on rolling so let's get started this week marvel has made a number of announcements of new series and one shots as well as series conclusions uh that fans can expect in august first up alexi uh, alexi uh and yelena belover are on the run as russia starts cleaning house in the winter guard a new four issue miniseries by ryan caddy and jan uh Bazaldua. I'm very excited to see more of the Winter Guard. A little bit of uh, Ursa Major never hurt anybody. Next up. Cuddly. I know. <laughs> um, up next, Marvel revealed a new look for Darkhawk with a new limited series from Kyle Higgins and Juan Ramirez featuring character designs by Pepe Larraz, who you may have seen doing some smashing work on uh, all the Hawks Pox era mm-hmm. X-Men stuff. Um, the mantle of Darkhawk is officially passing to a new character named Connor Young, as if you might remember from when we previously covered Darkhawk. Dark- Hawk, Heart of the Hawk. That's a mm-hmm. lot of ha-ha-ha sounds. Dark Hawk, Heart of the Hawk. Uh, for the character's 30th anniversary, Chris Powell, the original wielder of the amulet, was killed off. What? I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was going to say not to be confused with ha-ha by Image Comics that we've also Coming been covering. Ha-ha. Next week. <laughs> Coming <laughs> next. Yeah, I'm definitely covering it. I'm just, spoilers, definitely covering it. But um, yes, we are getting a new Dark Hawk series with a new character who's being introduced after, uh, if you read that yep. uh, special that was covered. Yeah, the, the original Dark Hawk pour one out for chris powell man but uh it's always fun to see legacy characters (laughs) pop up (laughs) please keep them coming so uh the next marvel's voices anthology will be marvel's voices identity number one celebrating asian and asian american superheroes and creators including stories about shang chi miss marvel jubilee silk jimmy woo and creators include jean luin yang christina strain marcus toe maureen go and many more very excited for that. Those Marvel's Legacies books have been, uh, Marvel's Voices, I'm sorry, have been crushing it. 
Yeah, I think this will be the fourth one now, I believe. Oh, no, it'll be the fifth technically after the, oh, the Pride fifth? issue that comes out next month. Right, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because we've had original. We had the Marvel's Voices, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was Marvel's Voices, Indigenous Voices. There was right. Marvel Voices Legacy, which was the Black History Month. We've got oh, Pride next month, and then right. we will have the so this will be, this uh, will be Asian five. American superheroes. Yeah, yeah. I, hope they, I hope they keep kicking it. I keep forgetting I that the Women of Marvel anthology was not Marvel's Voices. But, uh, I feel like we just covered that first issue because that also paired so well with that Marvel Voices uh, podcast yeah, as well that just came out. Fantastic, hosted by Angelique Rocher, who mm-hmm. is amazing. Uh, just love her stuff. So you guys can check out that podcast in anticipation of uh, the um, anthology. The podcasts are not like a serial format storytelling, but it right. is interviews with Marvel's voices, the people who bring voices to the characters uh, mm-hmm. and creative storytellers. Oops, and my light just died. Uh, but that's okay, <laughs> because finally, Marvel revealed that the Immortal Hulk, like like my, my light source, all good things come to an end. Marvel revealed that nice. the Immortal Hulk series will be ending with issue 50 later this year. Um, that's anticipated probably for about September, uh, and Al Ewing and Joe Bennett will close out this incredible character redefining series like seriously guys if you don't Mm -hmm. know what's up with the hulk right now oh my goodness uh after launching in 2018 it is one of the few books from 2018 that is uh still running right now at the house of ideas and issue 49 will be releasing in this august uh and that will begin the epic finale as the creators end the story that they set out to tell i mean ewing said in an interview this was the story we set out to tell and we're uh he didn't say this, but they're landing the plane. Yeah, you know? they are. Which and is which is so rare sometimes in these in especially in superhero comics, uh, getting to finish. Oh, a that whole story. arc like that, and and yeah. a- Amy not shying away from the theater of it, turned off her light because she's in mourning because this book, um, it was so incredible, uh, and I, I think you know I'm just you know calling my shot now. In 15 years, people will be saying like this is a defining arc for. The Incredible Hulk, the Hulk, you know, whichever version. Um, yeah, it is seriously incredible. It's Al Ewing at his best. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving along here, Archie Comics and Oni Lion Forge have both announced staffing changes this week. Now, we don't normally cover staffing changes, but this is particularly interesting. Alex Segura, the former Archie Comics co-president, will now be the senior vice president of sales and marketing for Oni Lion Forge Publishing Group. Meanwhile, Archie Comics has promoted two longtime employees. Stick with us here, I promise. It's going to pay off at the end. Uh, So first, Jamie Lee Rotante will be the new senior director of editorial and next, Ronk Case will become director of publicity and social media. Now, uh, Ron is perhaps best known for the viral Archie tweet from 2019 that simply read, I'm baby. After the birth of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's child. Uh, a, I love another it. Another character-defining your, moment. <laughs> your deep and serious voice, just, I'm baby. I'm baby. <laughs> but yes, I that, assume that's that... how he read it, yeah. That I'm baby tweet. So I, I hope for that and that alone he is being promoted. But uh, that's that's really fun. I think it's cool that a um, couple of publishing houses we don't cover as often on this show. Uh, but they're definitely still out there and kicking and making money moves with their staffing. Next up, we've got... I know this is, we should have done a polling ahead segment, but seriously, like this, this stuff was all breaking news. We wanted to get it to you as fast as possible. Um, we've got uh, one new announcement from Vault and one new announcement from Image Comics as well. I'm super stoked. If you're watching us live, um, 
It is 4 p.m. or it's just past 4 p.m. Pacific on a Wednesday. You can always watch us live on Wednesdays. Uh, my background is actually the promotional cover release for Vault Comics' newest announcement. Vault Comics has rele- uh, revealed a new horror series titled Dead Box, coming from writer Mark Russell, artist Benjamin Tiesma, colorist Vladimir Popov, and designer Tim Daniel. Designer Tim Daniel is responsible for a number of the amazing logos that you see uh, from Vault Comics, including, I believe, Finger Guns and the Autumnal, I think the blue flame as well just those beautiful logo treatments yeah um so dead box which is a play on the word red box uh tells the terrifying tale of a cursed dvd rental kiosk that serves as the main source of entertainment for the small town of lost turkey which by the name already sounds like a very very <laughs> small not much to do maybe a one starbucks town uh but the residents soon discovered that the that the rental machine plays films that are twisted versions of their own lives and watching the movies causes people to go insane. Each issue in the dead box series will be based on a different movie genre with art reflecting the style of those films, including they named off Pixar animation, action (laughs) blockbusters and superhero films. And we're likely to see more dead box will be launching again in August. And it just sounds so amazing. I will, I believe this will be part of their nightfall lineup, particularly, which is the horror house, which has brought you the, autumnal the Mm -hmm. plot uh i walk with monsters all the good uh gory creepy stuff from vault comics but i love a good gimmick and so far i don't think we've ever seen a cursed dvd rental kiosk so not uh, in comic form i'm i'm not not convinced that the one in silmar california that we rent from is not rented because i've rented from that particular red box and i'm just saying it's creepy (laughs) that's all i'm saying (laughs) But, uh, yeah, super stoked for that. It's like um, Twilight Zone and Tales from the Crypt had a drink, and they're like, let's write a comic. So uh, (laughs) very, very stoked for that. Uh, Now, lastly in our bit of news, Scotty Young and George Corona have reunited following the success of their series, Middle West, which I know uh, Rob is a huge fan of as well. to, so they are going to debut a new five-issue miniseries from Image called The Me You Love in the Dark. The series will launch in August, um, on August 4th and follows an artist named Ro as she retreats from the city to find inspiration in an isolated old house. However, the muse within is not what she expected. Middle West Jean-Francois uh, Beaulieu? Bellew and Nate Piecos are also returning on colors respectfully. Basically, the entire team from Middle West will be back um, for the Me You Love in the Dark. Very excited for that. Not related to not Middle all. West. It is a no. it is an entirely new series, which I'm very excited about as well. Yeah. It's always nice when teams get to reunite on something completely different. Huge, huge fan of that. I do like that we're seeing currently a wave of upcoming extremely strong horror concepts. A number of which involve the kind of entertainment or the situations that we've all experienced in the last year, being alone in a house by yourself, renting movies for entertainment. We've got the nice house on the lake, which is a nice retreat uh, from the world with everybody else inside. So I like that we're seeing a crop of highly relatable and highly Mm -hmm. frightening horror stories that are probably that were probably thought up uh, sometime early last year around March, April. I, I just think that's fun and, and really creative without getting, thank God no one's doing, let's do a, a pandemic horror. No, thank you. Not yet. There are so much scarier things like being trapped <laughs> in your house with bad movies. Mm-hmm. Or owing Redbox 1250 because you haven't, you're just scared of that particular Redbox. 
I'm going to do a Haunted Library Fee comic next. (laughs) But that covers it for new releases. Those are all August books. We're going to be getting the full solicitations from publishers for August very soon. And once those hit stands uh, or in previews, you can begin to pre-order them from your local comic book store. So if anything you heard today interests you, be sure to jump right on that because books can sell out all the time, as we've seen before, if you are not prepared for them. But um, there are some real... Uh, gems coming up from Marvel Vault Image. I'm sure we're going to get DC's stuff very soon, too. Very soon. Really cool stuff going on. But that's enough for the news. We've actually got comics this week. Yes. So we're going to start our weekly haul segment where we come to you with all the newest titles from the week. And this week we are kicking off our weekly haul with a pick of the week uh, because there was a book that Paul and I were both so excited to read and we both found that it was one of our top reads for mm-hmm. the week. We've got Wonder Girl number one from DC Comics. Yes. Now this is continuing the story of Yara Floor, who was introduced to fans as Wonder Woman in the Future State event, but now she is taking on the title of Wonder Girl, but for now she's just Yara Floor, mm-hmm. uh, going back to Brazil in search of her heritage. Uh, lots of really great stuff going on here. This is written with uh, writing and art was uh, done by Joelle Jones with colors by Jordi Belair and letters by Clayton Cowles. God, I don't know. He, that guy must never sleep. Seriously. <laughs> Neither does Jordi. Wow. I can't. I don't know how any of them get anything done. But yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is very lightly aim this book. And if this is your first show with us, we'll ex- First of all, welcome. Hello. Um, And secondly, we'll explain very quickly um, what AIM is. It's an acronym. We don't really like numbers when it comes to book because, you know, what a 10 out of 10 is to us, you know, maybe that's a five to you. So it can be incredibly subjective. So we AIM our books. The A stands uh, for accessibility. How easy is it to find this book and how easy is it to just jump into this book and understand what's going on? The I stands for interest. Who would like this book? And what's the overall interest in this book in the comic book industry? And then the M is money or the monetary investment. Uh, how much does it cost? What are you getting for the price that you're paying? So in a nutshell, that's what our aim segment is. That's really how we rate books. Yeah, we like to bring you the aim of the book so you have all the tools mm-hmm. you need to make an informed decision whether or not you want to read this comic book. Yep, and yep. at the end of the day, we hope the answer is yes. Yes. Uh, so, so we'll be doing that. Books. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, if And I'm going to say, and again, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I usually have the hot takes that make people DM me and say, like, you were wrong. <laughs> Wonder Girl's the best book of the week. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, that's not really like, you know, <laughs> I'm not really pulling that out of left field. Like, I think I think it's pretty much come a consensus that it's if it's not the best book, it's up there. But um, it's definitely another hot take. The best looking book out there. I think. Um, <laughs> oh, solid that, on every front. On every single front. Uh, Joel Jones, uh, Bel Air and Clayton Cowles had teamed up, of course, during Future State uh, to tell that Wonder Woman story. But sort of jumping into the A here, the accessibility of this book. um, First of all, you should be able to find this everywhere with all of its many, many variants. There are some beautiful, beautiful variants uh, for Wonder Girl number one. However, I'm going to tell you. Go to your local comic shop. Have them put this in your pool now because you. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be going to second and third print. Um, it's that good. The Wonder Woman Future State book also did that. People were like, ah, well, we'll see. And then literally hours once reviews and everything started coming in, that book was selling out. Um, and maybe we can touch on it a little bit because I'd love to hear Amy's 
opinion on Yara Flora as a new character because, again, Amy is, uh, well, incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable of all things comics, you have always tend to stray more Marvel. Yes. And uh, so... For, for those, yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar, my history with DC, while it is crucial to my uh, love of superheroes, I grew up on the original Teen Titans animated show with the uh, nice. Puppy Amiyumi theme song. Uh, I've always strayed towards the periphery DC characters. I've, I've tried many a time to read the main books. I do have a, I have a number of Justice League number ones, um, especially after the Rebirth event. Um, but I'm, I'm more of a casual DC reader, and I do like the... Uh, introductions of new characters i'm absolutely adoring yeah. far sector right now which is coming to a close um so wonder girl was really uh my my um stepping back in and and future mm -hmm. state really helped me kind of reintroduce to some characters uh with the way that they made it super accessible and now that everything in dc is considered an omniverse <laughs> uh the the different specifications of knowledge and what little series i have read are still technically uh canonical and important so i wanted to dive in with wonder girl and i i found it extremely accessible even yeah. i think even if you didn't read the future state event because the future state event took the context of stories that could happen mm -hmm. and and then they said it's all true but um it didn't really give us a proper origin it gave us an adventure of yara floor who was considered wonder woman at that point yeah um, but this is a totally kind of different view of her yeah, and, and it's it's absolutely fascinating to read a character who feels so fleshed out. Um, she is so well written, and her her tone and the texture of the world that she lives in feels so natural and organic. Um, and I think that has to do a, a huge part with Joel Jones. Like this is a passion project, and it's really um, I don't know. It's 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 refreshing, I should say, to read a character that has so much energy um because yara has yara yara floor the main character um has so so much energy as a character like it i if there's one thing i've noticed in her future state book um even very briefly in the justice league stuff and in this book it's like she's always moving forward constantly mm -hmm. just moving 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 um and joelle jones you know doing the writing and the art it 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 just feels like she, you know, some people just get it. And I've, I've mentioned that before with some writers, like, who take over a certain character, you know, if it's a new character, they just get it. And I believe that, you know, Joel Jones has that feel with Yara and the color palette that, like, they've sort of, uh, that they've had Yara Floor and that world adopt is in huge part, obviously, to Jordi Belair, who's crucial to this i mean mm -hmm. jordy another person who never sleeps it seems like <laughs> who's always always working um but you know i think we had a question um that thank you rob who had brought this over to us in tenshi masaki it says who's our our wonder girl um donna troy cassie sansmark or yara floor i mean it's it's only been a few issues but i'm gonna have to go with yara Right? I, I'm like, I'm gonna say it's it's hard to compare, yes, because Yara is so new, but also each character is so uh, different and fantastic. And I I loved them all. I mean, Yara wasn't included, but I loved uh, Donna and Cassie and the other mm -hmm. Wonder Girls in the DC Bombshells universe. Um, which again, as I'm realizing, I'm like, oh shoot, that's canon now too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I love Donna Troy for classic Teen Titans, but I. I think at the point of readership that I am now, uh, Yara Floor will probably become my favorite uh, because also she is such a new character mm -hmm. 
that there's something about getting in on the ground floor of a character's yeah. introduction um, and getting to watch them grow. There's also a beautiful, um, if I can speak a little bit to the interest now, a beautiful blending of uh, her Brazilian culture with mm -hmm. the mythos and the mythic qualities of not only just the Wonder Woman uh world and and kind of side of the dc universe but also right. just with uh with her culture that there's a lot of um just really beautiful scenes of nature and then mm -hmm. we've got the kind of mythic creatures and i won't necessarily say or specify what comes up in this issue but there's a blending of the uh the greek and then the brazilian into this really colorful really um just it just feels i don't know it's just warm I don't know. I, that yeah. feels weird. Like, but warm and the gold of her armor just gives mm -hmm. this a a really um, regal and actually really deep feeling to the the mythos that is around her that she might not be fully aware of yet. You know, and what's interesting, Amy, and again, you can definitely speak to this is this introduction of this character and what we're sort of seeing and seeing her lore be built right in front of us. You know, mm -hmm. normally we don't have that luxury. We have these characters who have been established for years and years and then they're adding, they have to find a twist um, or a different angle to approach that from where this is all being built in front of us. It sort of feels like Kamala Khan um, in that it has the, like the, again, I, I use, let me use the word again, but it just has a, an energy about it, like a feel where you're like, this is special, like it's going to stick around. And I, th I think, you know, uh, Jones and Belair and Cows, the whole team who are responsible for Yara Floor, like they just, they just get it. They just like hit the nail on the head. Um, and this is a great, I mean, we haven't, we just kind of gushed about how much we love like the book on a macro level, but. Um, yeah, I mean, and they... I, before we move on from that, I do want to, it, it does feel in, in execution, uh, a Kamala Khan, but it also feels like, uh, she's a little bit of um, DC's answer to America Chavez, if you're an America mm. Chavez fan. And Marvel's okay. even reinventing America currently as we speak, and she's been around for 10 years. So that's yeah. not even similar in terms of watching an origin uh, play up because there's so much. These characters are living, breathing documents and, and living things. Uh, but she's, she's the confident, uh, fun older than Kamala was teenage superhero and, and not in the fangirl essence, but in the a newer um, character who is tangentially tied to a superhero we know. I mean, we had Captain Marvel and now we have Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. um, but is wholly her own identity. And while she will be taking the mantle of Wonder Girl in some form, uh, it's it's totally distinct from just, oh, I'm, I watched the previous Wonder Girl die in front of me and I have to honor that legacy. Yeah. She's going to be her own thing. And, mm -hmm. I, and I do think DC wouldn't be putting so much uh, marketing attention behind her if they didn't wholeheartedly believe in the potential of this character. Yeah, and this is definitely one of the few books that I think is tackling the post-Dark Knight's death metal omniverse, like everything, where, where every where all of the sort of pieces had landed after Dark Knight's death metal, Yarraflor and, again, some of the characters that you're going to see in this book played a huge part of that into the fallout of that book. Uh, this is one of the books that I feel like really, really sort of uh, you know attacks that head-on um and, it, and it's fantastic you know i i had felt personally like while this issue is like action light there's not it's, there's not crazy crazy you know monster fights or anything but it, it's by no means slow in pacing like it, there's it felt still a lot of movement as a you ton, mentioned a ton of it um yeah so obviously we like this book <laughs> 
That's our pick of the week, and and uh, the M in our aim. It's a three ninety nine book, so there's mm-hmm. absolutely no excuse. I mean, that is the. I, I miss the days of two ninety nine books, especially <laughs> when uh, Rebirth hit originally. But uh, three ninety nine for a new number one for a fantastic mm-hmm. character. Now, of course, it's not her first appearance, so speculators, this isn't the reason why you'll be picking this one up. Yeah. Hopefully, you're picking it up because you are excited about her full and proper introduction to the DC universe post Future State. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's probably one of the best reads that you will find all week. Just delivering quality on all fronts. It is a new number one for a pretty new character. Hundred um, percent. Just a really great experience of of walking into a store, and this could very well be someone's very first comic, and that would be the the perfect introduction to a new comic. It sure would. But the only criticism: it's only thirty two pages. I wish it was a hundred and thirty two <laughs> pages. It was so good because uh, that book. It's just one of those books that flies by. Um, So, yeah, that is our pick of the week. Wonder Girl number one by DC. Go get it. Call your shop right after the show, of course. And (laughs) um, and then go pick it up. We would love to hear what you guys have to say again we i posted something in uh our uh facebook group the local comic society side.show forward slash your lcs it'll be the first post you see when you go there uh let us know what you thought of it uh thought about it we'll, we'll give everyone like a week or so and then we'll lift the spoiler ban but please no spoilers no um, wednesday spoilers no wednesday spoilers everyone all right, now let's move into our uh, our weekly haul, our normal books. Me and Amy have two books that we're going to aim each. We've already kind of gone over what AIM stands for. I yep. think I'm up to bat first here, it seems like. Right, Amy? Yes, yes I sure Fantastic am. Yes, Fantastic Four. Yes, so the first book that I'm going to aim for you all is Fantastic Four, Life Story, number one, The 60s. Um, this is by Mark Russell, Sean Isaacs, and Nolan Woodard. Uh, Russell writing, Isaacs on the art, and Nolan Woodard doing the colors. Um, now, if you are unfamiliar with the life story format as far as comic book stories go, uh, or formats go, uh, we had one previously, and that was Spider-Man Life Story by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley. And um, that was a huge, huge success. So it only makes sense that they would continue the line. And Fantastic Four is a very, very is just the logical it's just the logical next step and i think this mm-hmm. is the it's also because this is the sixth i might get the date wrong the year wrong i think this is the 60th anniversary of you know of marvel's first family i'm pretty sure it's 60 years i think so but i think that's um, what that cute little logo on the cover yeah oh is as well. give me the thing that says right there 60 <laughs> years yeah um so uh the first issue take thank you chris <laughs> Uh, feels a little passive aggressive, Chris, but that's fine. Um, so the first issue, of course, takes place in the '60s, and it is an origin story, just for people. Um, so I guess jumping right into the A, you know, how easy is this to pick up and read? This is actually a really great place to start with the Fantastic Four. If you've never read Fantastic Four, or maybe you only know them from like maybe some of the movies, or just in passing, or from Marvel events, like this is a great, great origin story that's not too origin heavy um it retells in a really interesting and you know lifelike uh way the of how the fantastic four became the fantastic four i mean and you see linda b johnson you see nixon you see john f kennedy so it's cool to see the characters sort of um 
start there when the characters were actually created. You know, Marvel's tag was the world outside your window, right? Uh, for the yeah. longest time. And this actually, you know, it kind of puts that to the T. And uh, I, I absolutely love it. Now, if you're unfamiliar, again, life story, that particular format, it ages the character. So issue two will have the Fantastic Four in the 70s, but they will have aged up 10 years and then so on and so forth. Um, and again, all of them being written by Mark Russell Isaac, and then art by Isaacs as well. So now as far as the interest for this book goes, it is obviously if you're already a Fantastic Four fan, you're going to want to read this book. It's, it's really great. Uh, it does a good job of reintroducing some elements of the story and the Fantastic Four mythos and lore and that dynamic that I personally like. Um, all four of them being uh, Johnny, Sue, Ben, and Mr. Fantastic himself. Um, Reed. Oh my God, I couldn't think of Reed's name. Uh, Reed. <laughs> uh, they all have very distinctive personalities and very different ways of how they view the outside world and how they view the Fantastic Four family. Um, and this introduces some really interesting elements. Again, this isn't much of a spoiler because, again, they've been around for 60 years. But Ben Grimm and Reed Richards hated each other. For the longest time, it was mainly one-sided. Ben Grimm actually really hated Reed Richards because I think he, like, a lot of people really hate Reed Richards. <laughs> so I mean, is he really that wrong? <laughs> no, no, no. He's in the majority, <laughs> and um, yeah. But Ben hates him because he turned him into the thing, and he's the only one that looks different. And you know, the Fantastic Four is being celebrated, and they're going on TV, and they're like, "Oh, look how normal these people look." And then they still have powers. And Ben Grimm feels really sort of shafted by that in that he's like, hey, I'm the only one that looks different. And his first, uh, well, I guess wife, his fiance at the time had left him. And it was all it's a whole thing. But it, 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 they go into um, a lot of those key points that we got in the original 60s book in this told in real time. Um, and it's so good. Uh, I'm really excited to see sort of how the Fantastic Four develop with you know American culture in real life, it'll be interesting because obviously the next issue seventies, eighties, nineties, and I believe it ends with them in the two thousands. I think this is only a six issue, so that doesn't make sense. Yeah, so it'll end with them in like in twenty twenty. Um, very very stoked for uh, the rest of this. Again, this is let's see here. This is four ninety nine, thirty two pages, and again, it's only six issues. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic and i'm actually i've got the um, marcos martin cover b variant behind me if, if you guys are watching live if on the podcast hello and you should watch live so you can see our sick backgrounds and, but if uh, you are listening to our podcast feed oh, right. which does you, does go up every thursday <laughs> after the show on wednesday you can go to sideshow.com slash geek and check out our blog and we will post mm -hmm. up all the cover assets and other uh images that were referenced in the show uh, yes. if, if you want to catch up on what the heck we're talking about when we're describing these beautiful art pieces. Exactly. Well, I mean, I'm handing the baton off to you because that's all I've got for Fantastic Four Life Story number one. All right. Well, I will gladly take the baton and I am going to review for you guys Shang-Chi number one, which is also subtitled Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe. Nice. Uh, but it's not... You know, if you're thinking Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe and all that stuff, it's not quite the same. However, we are going to see Shang-Chi being pitted against some of Marvel's heroes, uh, butting heads as he 
is a reestablished hero in the the universe and his uh, mythos has kind of been redefined uh and some of marvel's mightiest might not take kindly to what he has to do now uh getting a little bit ahead of myself though this issue was written by gene lewin yang with art by dk ruan uh colors by trina farrell and lettering by travis lantham now, in terms of accessibility, this is not a true number one for the character. Um, it is very extremely rare to find a true number one uh, in a big two, a.k.a. Marvel or DC title. And we say true number one as in the book requires you to have read absolutely nothing else prior to entering the story. You can just pick up the first issue and have everything you need to know uh ready to go that is not the case with shang chi is he he is an established uh, excuse me established character who's been around since the bronze age of marvel and he was previously featured in a mini series earlier this year also titled shang chi number one through number five um i don't want to go into too many spoilers about how that series resolved but that is the place to start if you are looking for uh shang chi's latest adventures as he's being revitalized and reimagined ahead of his film debut uh however this is a pretty good uh starting place for uh, if you're if you're cool with rolling with the punches, it does give you a quick up to speed on uh, what's new in Shang Chi's life, namely the fact that he is the supreme commander of the Five Weapons Society. And if you're not sure what the Five Weapons Society is, you're going to want to check that uh, previous series out. But that is an organization that his father was tied to, and now he is responsible for cleaning up his villainous father's messes. Um, now, it is subtitled Versus the Marvel Universe because each issue seems to be taking the form of introducing a superhero, uh, namely Avengers, that Shang-Chi will come into conflict with on his Avenger, uh, adventures. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> but he's also working alongside them. Sometimes their goals align, but sometimes their methods may differ. Uh, so this first issue is a Spider-Man issue. Um, if you are interested, so in terms of interest, if you like Spider-Man, uh, you'll definitely want to check this out because Shang-Chi and Spider-Man have had a lot of uh, history together. Shang-Chi was Peter Parker's former uh, Kung Fu master, and there are some nice editor's notes to let you know where you can catch up on some of those references that they make in the issue. But it's specifically in this story, Shang-Chi is tracking a drug ring while Spider-Man is tracking a weapons ring. And unfortunately, it may come down to uh, having had something to do with Shang-Chi's father. Um, but I won't explain too much more than that. But there's a lot of fun action. There's some new characters in it. And I say new, again, a lot of this is continued off of that five-issue miniseries. Now, this was billed by Marvel as an ongoing series, but I do believe it is limited. Uh, I don't. I, I thought it was also another five-issue series, but I could be wrong. I will let you guys know if I uh, find the clarification, or if somebody has the clarification, let me know. But issue two will be a Captain America um themed issue where he is headbutting with people as they discover a cosmic cube for sale. So it kind of almost seems like each issue in the series will be interconnected, but not necessarily one overarching story. Uh, we're going to have different vignettes in Shang-Chi's life as he encounters different Marvel superheroes. Um, but this is a really interesting reinvention of the character. It's definitely not, uh, if you know anything about the character, which you may know nothing about, and that's fine because Marvel is massively reinventing uh, his backstory, kind of straying away from some of the harmful stereotypes that arose in the Bronze Age of a Kung Fu master. Um, he's taking on a role that other heroes might not think is is super good and wholesome. I mean, he's got a lot to atone for, but like uh, like Matt Murdock leading the hand, a lot of these clandestine organizations that operate in the shadows, it's going to take somebody strong to lead them, but it's also going to take someone even stronger not to fall into the same 
traps of leading a dark organization. Right. Uh, and so the Five Weapons Society is a really interesting addition to Shang-Chi's lore. Um, and I think it's it, I think it's really fun. I mean, the 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 first series, which was also done by Gene Luen Yang and DK Ruan, uh, was really, really popular. The first two issues completely sold out at the distributor level. Um, so I think that's great. So there's still time to get your hands on those. I believe it's in trade now, if not now, very, very soon. Um, and this is a both this series, the kind of kills or not kills the Marvel Universe, but the versus the Marvel <laughs> Universe and the regular Shang-Chi, which is it's confusing now that there's two Shang-Chi number ones in the same year. Um, yeah. <laughs> that might in terms of accessibility, that might make it a little harder to go searching for these books. But um, there should be plenty of copies available. And this is a great place to get introduced to the character. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how much of this stuff might show up in the film if at all, I mean, the series was pretty new this year, but uh, it could be, it could have been discussed in the works uh, as Marvel's reinventing the Mandarin in their, their films as well. So mm -hmm. who knows, but it is a, a good time to get in on this character who is kind of having a second life in Marvel comics. Now, uh, in terms of M, this is three ninety nine, and it is 28 pages long, pretty standard uh, for a Marvel non-event number one. Um, so you can pick that up at your local comic book store or on Comixology. And as with all Marvel issues, this does come with a bonus digital edition you can claim at marvel.com slash redeem if you have the Marvel Comics app. I think that's always a great thing that I tend to forget about the Marvel it. Comics, but you get a free digital edition as well. So you can read it, you can bag it and board it, put it away in your long box, mm -hmm. and then you can use the digital code to go back and reference uh, digitally and safely instead of having to you know, pull open the bag and board and risk the slipping it out and getting the tape stuck from <laughs> oh, the flap on the nightmare. cover. Nightmare scenario. So that's Shang-Chi versus, versus the Marvel Universe number one. Yes, very, very excited for the rebirth of this character. Uh, a char mainly because there's, it's not a character I know that much about. So it's always nice to see uh, how Shang-Chi will be integrated into the larger Marvel Comics universe and cinematic universe. Uh, mm -hmm. Super, super stoked for that. So moving along. Thank you so much, Amy. Taking the baton. Um, <laughs> oh, here so you go. <laughs> moving, I already took it, Amy. Uh, moving on to the last book that I will be aiming for you all. Uh, it is Legends of the Dark Knight number one, of course, by DC Comics. This is a uh, this was a digital first, so I believe they got it last Thursday, but it is in print today as well. This is by Derek Robertson, who uh, did the writing and the art. You may know him from writing The Boys, as well as um, he wrote, I would say, like 25 to 45% of Transmetropolitan. He wrote a lot of Transmetropolitan with Warren Ellis. So, um, And then Diego Rodriguez is on colors. So ultimately, setting the scene here, there is someone who is selling a very, very deadly gas in Gotham and selling it to all the big players in Batman's rogues gallery. And of course that just doesn't sit well with old, uh, with old Bruce there. So it's a story about him, you know, identifying who is this person? How has this person been operating in Gotham under his nose for so long? And sort of where, where do you go when you've got, when you're the only one between, you know, this terrible, terrible product and all these villains. So just another Thursday, for Batman, basically. Bruce ba uh not Bruce Banner, Bruce Wayne against capitalism. Who would have thought? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Bruce Banter, and I was like, that's great. I would love to see that, but he's not, he's not a real banter guy. Let's just say <laughs> that. Um, so as far as the A goes, the accessibility, uh, this should be pretty easily found. Um, I 
would assume that your local comic shop ordered a few physically uh, for these. You should have no problem walking the wall and finding this. Um, now, it's interesting. If you do get it digitally, uh, which is available right now, it was actually, again, it was available on Thursday. You can get it on Comixology. It'll be available on DC Universe Infinite in about two weeks. That's usually what their timetable is. Um, but what's interesting is online, it's like 25 pages. It's 32 pages on... Um, when you get it in print, and that's because there are a few more bonus pages that they threw in that were sort of a teaser or edited in from the next issue. So, um, if you, I mean, you can buy it digitally and read the whole thing, and it's only like 98 cents. Again, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, or you can buy it physically, and I believe it's two, it's three ninety nine. But you get a, a little bit more comic here, and you get it in print, and. Um, some of Derek Robertson's and Diego Rodriguez's art is just absolutely incredible. I love the way they draw Batman in the Shadows. It's so dope. Um, now, as far as the other half of accessibility, the other half of, um, you know, dense coin there is basically if you are a Batman fan, this is already going to be territory that maybe you've read before, maybe some stuff that you um, have... I don't know. Again, it's it's not retreading old water with Batman because it is a new. For all we know, this is a new villain. Um, but you don't need to have any Batman knowledge really to, I think, jump into this book. I think you'll be fine. Um, I'd be hard pressed to find anyone that doesn't have any Batman knowledge. So everyone out there should be fine. I I, I kind of like the way that Amy had put it earlier when we were talking about Wonder Girl. Um, if this was someone's first comic, I think they'd be okay. I think it would, they'd be fine. They know who <laughs> think some you're of gonna the... be fine, kid. <laughs> yeah, no problemo, pal. Um, so I think this is as accessible as a Batman story can get. It does feel like a um, in between big, you know, huge Batman events type of story. So kind of jumping along to the interest of this, uh, this is a good. I, I would say detective. Batman story. Um, it's not so, you know, high flying and punchy, if you will. Um, it, it is a little bit more. I, I've always liked the like inner monologues, like the detective inner monologues that uh, Batman does when he's kind of putting together the crime scene that we see in like Batman the Black Mirror and some of, um, you know, some of the be best Grant Morrison stuff. Um, that's really one of my favorites. Now, um, I did say, <laughs> I was telling Rob a little earlier, it, this feels like a side mission in, like, Arkham City. <laughs> you know, uh, this isn't maybe something that I think, like, this particular story does not have legs for 12 issues, but it's only three issues uh, that he'll we'll get to, you know, find out the conclusion of this story about this, you know, whoever selling this deadly gas to these major villains in Gotham. So um, it feels like a good, good side mission from like the main Batman continuity. Um, and it's, it's great. It's, it's a fun Batman book where if, if you are missing, if you like the penguin, I do like also that the, that Derek Robertson is the type of person who's my favorite type of person that writes penguin with the little like, wah, wah. <laughs> He, he, he writes him with the little penguin noises in between his sentences, and that nice. doesn't happen nearly enough. I love <laughs> it so much. I don't know if that's what penguin noises sound like, but I gave him my best shot. Um, so I don't know about enough about penguins to debate you on that. So 
Yeah, uh, unless Rob's a penguin scientist, I, I think we're all tapped out here. So he's saying no. And uh, um, so yeah, it's it's really great. I, the best comic right now that I can sort of compare it to is like the Batman Secret Files. That is a you know what Batman is doing in between some of the bigger stories and continuity. Um, it, it sort of feels like that. And again, it's Legends of the Dark Knight for a reason. These are just sort of one, two, three issue stories, uh, all within the Batman verse. And then jumping over to the M in AIM, the monetary investment. Again, three ninety nine if you buy the physical copy or $0.98. Cents, but if you buy the online digital version for $0.98, cents, you get less comic and you get less story. So if you can, if you're in the shop, just pick up the... Um, the physical version. I don't think you're going to have a problem with that. Uh, 32 pages, and this is issue one of three in this arc by Robertson and Diego Rodriguez. So, Legends of the Dark Knight, go get it wherever you can get it. it it's good. Maybe. And that's the word from Paul. Okay, Paul, I'll take oh. it back. Thank you. There you go. All right, and so our last book that we are covering on the show today is Heroes Reborn, number three from Marvel Comics. But in this Heroes Reborn segment, I kind of want to give you just a brief overview of the whole event so far because I feel like we've been remiss. It began during Star Wars week, so we weren't able to tackle it right away. And I think this is a really fun event that a lot of people are definitely going to overlook because we just came off the heels of, um, of King and Black. We've got Extreme Carnage coming up this summer. We've got the Hellfire Gala, and I think a lot of people... We're maybe a little skeptical about this title. Um, so specifically, Heroes Reborn number three is written by Jason Aaron with art by Federico Vincentini. With a, uh, there's a backup story with Ed McGinnis and Mark Morales on uh, the pencils and inks. And they are uh, one of the most consistent collaborative teams with Jason Aaron on the main Avengers title. Um, the main story has colors by Matt Mia and uh, Matt Wilson does the backup story. And then lettering throughout by Corey Petit. Now, um, this is uh, the overall event has been spinning out of the Avengers series, but I don't think you need to have read the Avengers series at all to appreciate what's going on here because Heroes Reborn, uh, while borrowing a title from a previous Marvel event, uh, is basically what if Marvel did the DC universe? Uh, the Squadron <laughs> Supreme, it is no secret, is Marvel's answer to the Justice League in in as much loving homage and as much legal toying the line as they can get to copying the distinguished competition. Uh, and I, for one, have a ton of fun with those types of alternate universe stories. It feels like a partial love letter to Amalgam Comics in an age where we cannot have Amalgam Comics due to licensing restrictions. <laughs> but um, we do have mashup supervillains within Marvel's own catalog. And in this particular issue, we see the Blur, who is Stanley Stewart, the fastest mortal alive. Uh, and he is fighting the Scarlet uh, I'm sorry, the Silver Witch, who is uh, Wanda Maximoff after she absorbed the speed powers of her dying brother Pietro, uh, and she blames the Squadron Supreme for letting him die. Awesome. Uh, and so she can cast a thousand hexes per minute, and it's a race against time for the Blur to outstrip uh, the Speedster Supreme uh, in, <laughs> a, in a race against time. It, it, is a f it is a fun issue, and honestly, I'm going to put... I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and say that you could pick up this issue without having read the rest of the event. As long as you understand the idea that the world has been remade somehow and the mm -hmm. Avengers never formed. Um, each of the issues so far has featured, um, well, actually the first issue was kind of a complete uh, overview of how the universe has changed. If you can still find oh. that issue, I would highly recommend it because it feels like 
vignettes because it's like over here in the world we've got the blur and then power princess is fighting all gog in the in the ruins of asgard and then we've got hyperion the all-american uh soldier man who is he's like powered by the sun and <laughs> i bet you can guess who that's a take on and uh by day he's a mild-mannered yeah, middle school teacher uh or i think it's high school whatever <laughs> um and then we've got nighthawk and um and uh, Doctor Spectrum and all of these, and they're fighting their their villains gallery like Doctor uh, Doctor Juggernaut, who's Doom and Juggernaut put together, and Thanos and the Ten Rings, not Shang Chi <laughs> and the Ten Ten Rings. We've got the Infinity the Infinity Rings. It's um, way scarier. We've got the Silver uh, Silver Witch, and I'm trying to remember who else we've got. But it's just it's so much fun. All Gog is technically uh, Odin and Man Gog. Uh, who was an amazing villain in Jason Aaron's uh, run, but also from classic Thor comics. So it is as much a mashup as we can get, both of Marvel <laughs> characters and our uh, lovely, lovely DC stand-ins. Now, specifically for Heroes Reborn number three, as I mentioned, it is taking uh, the perspective of the blur. It introduces you to him and his adventures. In terms of accessibility, you absolutely do not have to know who this character is. You don't have to know that he's no longer the wizard, but the blur. Um, this is Stanley Stewart. But I will say in terms of accessibility in a metatextual sense, this is written like a speedster talks or thinks. It is stream of consciousness. Some sentences will straight up change the subject in the middle of the sentence. He repeats himself <laughs> constantly because he forgets what he's talking about because he's moving too fast. Uh, but there's some really fun jokes of him saying, like, how many televisions do I have in my apartment? I'll count it for you. I've got 48. Like, all in one paragraph. Um, but that leads to the issue having a very frenetic and frantic pace that if you're not paying attention to the reading you could could kind of get stumbled by it it's very frantic like a speedster uh would be and i think yeah. i think it's a fun um way to metatextually incorporate uh the powers of a speedster but it's also a little bit of a challenge to read it, I, I will say accessibility wise it's not a hundred percent there um but it's but it's fun it's fun and annoying because this guy is absolutely the most fun and annoying of the Squadron Supreme. Um, there is a backup story in the end, as I mentioned, that is the Avengers storyline kind of continuing as Blade, who's the only person who remembers what the, the universe used to look like, is slowly assembling the Avengers. And I won't spoil how that's going about. Uh, but the next couple of issues, I mean, there's an issue a week. So that's also a thing for accessibility. These are uh, $4.99 issues. The first issue is $5.99 in the series. Uh, but every single week, there's a new Heroes Reborn of the main uh, seven-issue event. Um, the next issue covers Dr. Spectrum, who is Marvel's take on the Green Lantern, except he's got all the colors. And then <laughs> we're going to have uh, Power Princess. Then we're going to have uh, Nighthawk. And it's going to wrap up with the Squadron Supreme versus the newly reformed Avengers. And it's a quick seven-week event. Nice. All of the tie-ins are actually one-shots, I believe. Uh, I think there was some... I, I personally was mistaken in thinking a lot of them were uh, three, four-issue minis like we get for most events. But I think they're actually all one-shots, which is really nice, actually. It makes everything seem like a quick palette cleanse. I'm checking out Young Squadron next week, which nice. is uh, Kamala Khan never got inspired by Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers could never get promoted and was always getting uh, busted for, for breaking the rules of the Air Force. So she <laughs> nice. takes after Power Princess and dubs herself Girl Power. Uh, and then we've got Sam Alexander, who is uh, who's the, I don't know what his superhero name, but he takes after uh, Dr. Spectrum instead of Nova and after uh, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, the longtime compatriot of Nighthawk 
dies in the field of battle, Miles Morales steps up to become the next young Falcon. So uh, I think that'll be a fun one shot. And then I'm also checking out uh, American Knights, which is the Marvel Knights uh, corner of the universe. We've got Daredevil and we've got Commissioner Luke Cage, who is the hero that America needs right now. Um, So... I highly recommend, if you were at all skeptical or sleeping on this event, it is a fast-paced event, and not just because of this issue, um, but it it doesn't have the price, um, the price point of many other series. While it did put a lot of books on hold, like there are no new Thors or Captain Marvels going on right now while mm-hmm. this event is happening because of the way that the characters are uh, changed in this universe, uh, it's a quick event that doesn't require too much else extra of you um, yeah. from the fun tie-ins. And, and whether or not you're reading the main Avengers book, if you're a sucker for multiverse and alternate universe stuff, you're going to want to jump on this one because you don't have to go back to reading Jason Aaron's Avengers afterwards. If you are not, you're going to get the best payoff for all of this story. But otherwise, it's just a ding-dang fun alternate <laughs> universe with the Language, with Marvel's, Marvel's closest, <laughs> I'm sorry, closest approximation of DC Comics. I mean, he fights Ursa Major in a scene in this book, and you're like, obviously, that's the Flash and Gorilla Grodd. <laughs> and then as a nerd, it makes you feel really smart because you know what they're referencing. It's just, it's a loving homage to everything between both of the big two the publishers. The big two. And, and I think this whole event is, is good for Marvel like they've just gotten out of like so many like serious you know continuity driven events you know mm-hmm. with um we had Empire and then we have uh what, what was in between Empire and um uh King and Black there's something in between Was there, there something in between the two of those? I thought King and Black was next cuz Empire rounded up in the fall there's gotta be there's gotta be I, something. I don't remember, man. It's, I know, it, that's what I know. it is. It's been there's been so many oh, events. T- oh, ten of swords. Ten of swords. Yep. Yes. Ten I was of gonna swords. say it's the those X Men ones keep yeah. uh, switching between. You just watched Nerd Brains Buffer in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Ten of Swords, then King in Black, and now we've got Heroes Reborn, and then we're gonna go into uh, so, the Hellfire Gallery and Extreme Carnage. So you're you might overlook this event, but this one. Mm-hmm. I don't think is going to have a huge world-ending effect on continuity. That's except just my, for poor I might Blade. Be, yeah, except <laughs> for Blade. I might be a skeptic, but it does feel like extremely harmless alternate universe fun. Nice, so. which is we could all use. That's that sounds great. And after the 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 first issue was a big one. I think it was about forty pages and and was five ninety nine. But every resultant uh, issue is uh, four ninety nine at thirty six pages. You're getting a lot of story because it is a profile on each member of the Squadron Supreme, with nice. a little bit of Avengers sneaking around in the back. Those Avengers. All right. Yeah. Well, everyone, that are that is all of our. Uh, those are all of our aims. And again, you can catch all of those on the blog, which will go live tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow yes. morning. Yes, uh, so that'll be live tomorrow morning if you want to catch some of these covers and see some of the books that maybe maybe you just joined us. If you did, welcome, hello. Um, but we are going to move into our next and last segment, the Holler at the Hall segment. And uh, this last, this previous week, we had asked you all a a question that sort of fit in with Heroes Reborn. So, very, uh, you know, Amy, with the foresight that she has, ended it with Heroes Reborn, and this it just kind of worked out perfectly here. Um, we asked, what is your favorite big two publisher crossover event? Now, is you guys did also say, like, oh, what which event that crossed over Marvel and DC? That also works. A lot of you did say Amalgam, but we were thinking specifically in-world, either Marvel or either DC, 
your big character crossover events, which have yes. been your favorites. Apologize for the confu- I apologize for the confusion on that because technically uh, these events are considered crossovers because titles that are usually separate mm-hmm. from one another crossover within the house. But yes, for those of you who said Amalgam Comics, absolutely. I have a 100%. couple of those myself. I think I've got Lobo the Duck and I've got Amazon and uh, maybe the whatever the... The Wolverine. the Wolverine one. I have that the one Wolverine somewhere one. as well. <laughs> yeah. Is it Wolverine and Batman? Yeah, it's Wolverine and Dark, Batman. Dark Knight? Dark Claw. No. Dark Claw. Dark Claw. Dark Claw. There we go. Ner- Nerds buffer times two again. Um, all right. But... So up first, we've got Anthony Barrera had said, it's been a long time since I read comics, so not familiar with a lot of the new ones. One of my favorites was Age of Apocalypse. I collected all of the issues at the time, including Legion Quest, uh, that led into Age of Apocalypse. I know some of the characters uh, and storylines didn't make sense, but I still enjoyed it as a whole. And just so you all know, that's uh, February 1995. And let me tell you, Anthony, you enjoyed it. So that's all that matters. (laughs) That's all that matters in comics. Uh, Up next, we have Alex Cutler, who said Flashpoint has to be my favorite. How the reverse Flash changed everything just to get revenge on Barry because he didn't let him be the Flash in the 25th century. Excuse me. That is a grudge for the ages. Well, I bet Blur would have something to say about that. But Flashpoint (laughs) is one of those absolute standout events. I mean, if you get Funko Pops, which Mm -hmm. Flashpoint did, then you you know you've made it. You've made it. We're still... They will not unblock me on IM, but we'll get our Funko Pops made for the Comics Hall. Um, So up next is Kelsey Lynn Clary says, I think I have to go with the original Secret Wars from 1984. It was one of the first collections my dad gave to me uh, to read when I started reading comics, and it just keeps a special place in my heart for that. Um, Yeah, I totally understand. My choice is also very, very near and dear to my heart as well, which we'll get into right after this last one. And Pete Tano says, in terms of crossover events that affected all titles, I would say the first Secret Wars as well. Uh, but my favorite event that affected all heroes was Marvel's Contest of Champions limited series. Three issues that didn't affect any other titles but involved heroes I had never even heard of to that point. We've got a fantastic cover on the screen from a Marvel Comics limited series, Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions. Um which was, of course, the inspiration for the popular mobile game, which I absolutely loved playing until I got absolutely outclassed by everybody else who has faster (laughs) thumbs than me. Uh, But that in itself is also a very similar uh, idea with heroes Mm -hmm. fighting uh, in these battles kind of for the entertainment of one of the cosmic entities of the Marvel Universe. Also very similar to the the Secret Wars with the Beyonder. Yes. yeah, just that cover. I mean, we don't even have to go in and name them, but just so many fantastic mm-hmm. characters uh, that I'm sure there are plenty you recognize and some that you don't. Um, yeah. Yeah, just a, a, a great... <laughs> sorry, I love... Um, uh, with Silver Surfer, the Sasquatch from uh, Alpha Flight. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love how wide he is. Look at um, Angel. Oh, look at Angel up there. Yeah, and the Human Torch. I love the way that the old Human Torch was drawn with those mm-hmm. those weird... Uh, lines going down him but uh, we will post that up on our blog thank you guys so much for answering we got a lot of great responses for a lot of great events Um, now Paul do you have a personal favorite hold on (laughs) it's a blackest night Uh, that entire run that entire event is incredible Uh, I it it was one of the few events where I, I read everything before at a time when I definitely could not afford everything, but I bought everything. Um, and I just, I had been reading Green Lantern for so long and it meant so much to me. Uh, so to have such an incredible, char- another character defining event fold out in front of me in real time and getting to be there week to week, it, it just is something that like I haven't 
really experienced since. Um, and so, you know, the whole Blackest Night storyline, the Green Lantern Blackest Night storyline, I'm sorry, it, it's just, it's my absolute favorite. What about you, Amy? All right. Oh, man. I have I have kind of two answers because one, I mean, I'm sure it's no secret, War of the Realms was the most amazing payoff mm-hmm. for seven years of Jason Aaron's storytelling. And I bought every single tie-in, uh, every single main issue. I bought the flipping long box or the short box that had the decals on it for War of the Realms to match. I got all of the comic book store promotional items like name tag stickers that said, hello, my name is blank from Alfheim or all the different realms. Uh, that weird circular calendar thing they gave us. Um, so that was the one I had the most fun with um, in in terms of personal engagement. Mm-hmm. But in terms of an event that I just really loved, that I only really loved coming out of it and looking back, Secret Wars Secret 2015. Wars. Um <laughs> I, it, it was tough while it was going on because there were mm-hmm. so many issue delays. I mean, the infamous uh, six of eight, seven of nine, where they added an extra issue. <laughs> Having to sell that at comic book stores and tell everybody, no, Iron Man is gone for the next five months uh, or however long. I mean, it was actually more like three three or four months, but just having that entirely stop the entire publishing line at Marvel mm-hmm. and having to explain that and sell that to people. But at the end of the day, I had so much fun with it and it was so much bigger than the original Secret Wars, um, mm-hmm. how every single realm and battle world got its own story. I mean, that's where we so got cool. A-Force. I loved the Scotty Young baby Marvel universe. I loved Kieran Gillen's Siege, which was basically the Night Watch, but for Marvel, from like the Game of Thrones, like the Watchers on the Wall. Um, where Monsters Dwell was one of my like favorite like random stories. I was like, I've never heard of this, but Where Monsters Dwell was fantastic. And Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps mm-hmm. was Kelly Sue DeConnick's farewell to Captain Marvel, but it was also Kelly Thompson's uh, stomping grounds for Captain Marvel. That was kind of the brought her on to test with Kelly Sue. Um, yep. That event that that event redefined current Marvel, and I just had so much fun with it. So oh, yeah. it wasn't fun while it was happening, but when <laughs> I when you when you get done with it, you're like, that's a that's a masterpiece. It sure was. Uh, now, Rob, what about you, sir? You got to tell Super us. Super moderator, bring, Rob. We didn't think you were going to bring you back on, but you're here now. You had a favorite event. <laughs> I'm back. Um, I'd probably say House of M. Actually, oh, okay. I was a huge fan of that. Reading it, and it's kind of interesting now because one of the things that made that such a unique story in my mind at the time was that mutants were all of a sudden in power. They weren't mm. the underdogs, Ooh. which is exactly what we're seeing now in the current X books where they are the dominant force in kind of the Marvel worlds. So I really appreciated that and I'm really enjoying the X books for the same reason. Awesome. Yeah, 100% great answer. And it, it played very nicely into WandaVision, the streaming smash hit of this year. So Never heard of it. <laughs> just you know just a little independent streaming service called disney plus but uh yeah and, and i mean now that we're seeing we're getting secret invasion as a marvel mm-hmm. series we're getting armor wars which again is like a super deep cut uh marvel <laughs> event that had its own uh battle world in in uh secret, secret wars. wars i liked sure did i liked how secret wars had um all those events like it did have a house of m it had all the yeah. previous events as it's even the pre- even the original secret wars yeah. deadpool going back right yeah, Deadpool Secret Secret Wars. Yeah. Oh boy, that was we, and that's we where could we talk got Secret Gwen, Wars literally we got Gwen forever. Pool from a variant cover. <laughs> oh we got yeah, a, that was her sure first did. appearance. Anyways, I could go on forever <laughs> about that. Uh, the ma- magnificent uh, and that was a that was a Hickman. That was mm-hmm. a Hickman Ooh, production. Sure boy, was it? 
Oh, boy. But I think that about does it right now. We do have a yeah. question for you guys for next week, though. Mm -hmm. And speaking of books that we love and books that are near and dear to us, if there was one comic that you could go back again and read for the first time, we will wipe your memory for you, Men in Black style. Not really. Uh, but first time, have all your knowledge of it erased and re-experience it mm -hmm. again for the first time. What would it be and why? We will post this up not only in the Light Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group, Sideshow's official Facebook group, uh, but also in uh, Local Comics Society, which is our official Facebook group, side.show slash your LCS, uh, where we talk comics every week. We will also have this on Instagram uh, and Twitter and our Facebook at The Comics Hall, and you can always email us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com. Make mm -hmm. sure you get all your at in the right places uh but that will be for our show on may 26th um if you are watching us on youtube uh don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell to be notified Ding. when we go live we do pride ourselves on being pretty consistent every 4 p.m pacific on wednesdays new comic book day but just in case because uh human error and technological uh Probably supremacy <laughs> We'll let you know exactly when we're going live, uh, sure so be sure to uh, to subscribe. And then if you are checking us out any of, on any of our other channels, thank you for joining us. And remember, we do have our podcast uh, feed that goes up on Thursday mornings around 8 a.m. Uh, 8 Pacific. Mm -hmm. And you can check our blog shortly thereafter at sideshow.com slash geek for all the visual assets that we featured in our show. I think that's all the things that I am legally obligated to tell you about our fabulous little program here. But <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us this week. This was the Wednesday, May 19th. I uh, had to check my calendar because <laughs> who knows what day it is anymore. Wednesday, May 19th, uh, new comic book day. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been The Comics Hall. See you Bye, everyone. <laughs> this has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, don't forget to let your geek sideshow. show.